cloud of polygons. It must have been treated as a proper subboss, not just a typical mob, because I promptly saw a last attack bonus readout. I didn't have time for that, however, I spun around as I hit the ground. The first thing I saw across the room was a towering ebony. Back. King Asterios was on the move. Fortunately, he hadn't targeted any of the five paralyzed along the east wall, but his destination was the 36 remaining fighters of the main party, who were still busy with General Baron. My worst fear was that the main force would fall into total panicked chaos and retreat if faced by a boss on either side. Fortunately, that was not happening. But very soon, his lumbering steps would take him within attack range of the raid. We had to defeat the general before then. Let's go, Carido, said Asuna, her voice tense. But I wasn't sure if I should agree. It wasn't that I was afraid for my own life, for some reason that I couldn't explain, I was gripped with a sudden feeling that once I set foot into the battle ahead, I could not guarantee that she'd survive, I knew damn well, just how good Asuna was. I wasn't even sure if I could beat her in a one-on-one -on -one duel. But there was no denying my urge to force her to escape right there, and then, after I had abandoned my first and only friend at the start of this game, and was nearly killed by a fellow beta tester. Just hours later, I had sworn to live as a solo player, relying on no one but myself. The week that we had just spent as a partnership of sorts was only a means to uncovering and stopping Neza's fraud. Nothing more, so why was I being ruled by this emotion, this sentimentality? Why was I so desperate to keep Asuna from dying? Asuna, you need to run, I wanted to say, but I saw the powerful light in her hazel eyes. They told me that she knew full well what I was thinking. Her eyes were full of an emotion that was neither anger nor sadness, but something even purer. Again, she said, let's go. There was enough strength in that voice that it bottled up the fear that had overtaken me. All right, I said, and looked back at Agile's party. The axe warrior nodded at me, not frightened in the least. We'll swing around the right flank and defeat Baron first. If the king attacks before then, we've got to pull him away. As best we can to help by them time. Got it, the others shouted. Bolstered by their courage, I leapt forward. By the time I reached full speed, my hesitation was gone. The monster's reaction zone, also called its aggro range, was invisible to the naked eye. But the more experience one built, the more it felt like a tangible thing. I followed. My instinct encircled around the right side of the plotting King Asterios toward the main party. Baron's HP bar was already down into the red zone. But as with Nato when he was nearly dead, Baron had gone into a berserk state and was using his numbing detonation at every possible chance, slowing the group's attack progress. We had 30 seconds until the king started to attack, I gauged. I darted right between the wide-eyed Lind and Kibu, directly in front General Baron, and leapt high into the air, 
aiming for his blazing orange horns. But the general was nearly twice the size of the colonel. Even my highest jump, combined with my longest reach, couldn't make it all the way. Rara. At the apex of my jump, I took pains to hold my stance and just barely managed to throw off a sword skill. My anneal blade glowed green, and my body sped back into motion as Though pushed by invisible hands, Sonic Leap, a one-handed sword charge skill. This desperate attack hit him right in the weak point, and the general's body arched backward. This staggering was our final chance. Asuna and the other four didn't need my order to know what to do. They raced into land blows, then pulled back. The rest of the raid followed their lead, and General Baron was enveloped in flashing effects of every color. But once again, it wasn't quite enough. There was still a pixel or two left on his HP bar. Not again. I cursed, clenching my left fist. Coming out of a major sword skill off balance, my only option was a simple attack. I roared and swung forward with a flash blow, hitting him square in the chest. It was just enough damage to do the job, and that tiny little jab sent the massive body expanding and exploding. I landed hard, ignoring the LA bonus readout entirely, and took a deep breath to command everyone to retreat back against the wall. There was no time to worry about whether I was overstepping my bounds or not. But my breath caught in my throat before I could speak. The onyx Taurus king, who should have still been ten seconds away, was leaning backward, his massive chest bulging like a barrel. That looked like a breath attack. Long range. And right in his path, back to him, her eyes fixed straight at me, was Asuna. If she didn't move now, there would be no escape. I couldn't waste time racing over to her. But that kind of logical reasoning went out the window. Asuna, jump to your right. I shouted as I dashed toward her. There were other players in the breath range, of course, but my tunnel vision was fixed on no one but the hooded fencer. She must have sensed the danger. Approaching from behind in my voice and expression. She leapt as I commanded, not bothering to turn around. As soon as her boots left the black paving stone, I reached her and slipped my left arm around her slender body, leaping in the same direction to add to our momentum. Even at full strength, the jump speed was unbearably slow. The arabesque pattern in the floor flowed past, glacial in pace. The right side of my vision went pure white. The dry shockwave that hit me was exactly a clap of thunder. Asterios the Taurus King's breath attack was not poison or fire, but lightning. And by the time we realized it, the both of us, and over twenty other players in the raid, were enveloped in its white blaze. There was no such thing as attack, healing, or support. Magic and sword art online. But that didn't mean that all. Traces of magic were absent from the game world. There was an infinite variety of magical items to be found that raised stats or provided buff effects, and the blessing of an 
NPC priest at a church in one of the bigger towns granted a player's weapon a temporary holy effect. But those supernatural effects did not exist solely for our benefit. In fact, the majority were a detriment. 4. Example. The many special attack skills employed by monsters, poison, fire, ice, and lightning breath. The most powerful breath attack in terms of damage was fire, but lightning was no joke. For one, it was instantaneous, it traveled the full length of its range in the instant it was unleashed. Worse, it had a very high chance of stunning its victims, with the worst-case scenario involving an even more dangerous debuff. Asuna and I took Asterios's lightning breath to our legs, and we both lost close to 20% of our health in one go. A green border began to blink around the gauge, and a debuff icon of the same color appeared as well. Instantly, I felt my physical senses growing distant, I couldn't move my legs to land upright, even if I tried. Asuna and I slammed into the ground on our backs. This was no mere tumble effect, after all of my warnings, we were now paralyzed. ASU, nah, I rasped. She was laid across my chest like an immobile plank. Heal with, potion. I tried desperately to move my stiff hand. There were two red HP potions and one green paralysis antidote in the belt, patch on my right side. Somehow, I felt around and grabbed the green one, popped the cork and held it up to my lips, even as the rumbling footsteps grew closer. Once I finished the minty liquid, I hesitantly looked up to see that the massive Taurus King was barely ten yards away. His attack had hit several other players with paralysis, and over a dozen of them littered the ground between us and him. The other thirty players who escaped the lightning breath were making their way around the slowly moving boss, but they weren't sure how to react. The reason why was clear. The raid's leader and sub-leader, Lind and Kibu, were both paralyzed and the closest to the boss's position. They were desperately trying to give orders, but a whisper was the best anyone suffering from paralysis could produce. None of the players outside Asterios's attack range could hear them. But very close to my ears came the sound of a fragile, beautiful voice. Why, did you come? I looked back to see two very large hazel eyes right in front of my face. Asuna was collapsed directly on top of me empty potion bottle clutched in her hand. She repeated. Herself. Why? She was asking me why I'd run toward her when I realized. The Taurus's breath attack was coming, rather than darting. Directly out of harm's way. I wondered what the answer. Was myself, but it did not become apparent all I could say. Was I don't know. And for reasons that were once again a mystery to me, she smiled gently, closed her eyes, and set her hooded head against my shoulder, cloud of polygons. It must have been treated as a proper sub-boss, not just a typical mob, because I promptly saw a last attack bonus readout. I didn't have time for that, however, I spun around as I hit the ground. The first thing I saw across the room was a towering ebony back. 
King Asterios was on the move. Fortunately, he hadn't targeted any of the five paralyzed along the east wall, but his destination was the 36 remaining fighters of the main party, who were still busy with General Baron. My worst fear was that the main force would fall into total panicked chaos and retreat if faced by a boss on either side. Fortunately, that was not happening. But very soon, his lumbering steps would take him within attack range of the raid. We had to defeat the general before then. Let's go, Carido, said Asuna, her voice tense. But I wasn't sure if I should agree. It wasn't that I was afraid for my own life, for some reason that I couldn't explain, I was gripped with a sudden feeling that once I set foot into the battle ahead, I could not guarantee that she'd survive, I knew damn well, just how good Asuna was. I wasn't even sure if I could beat her in a one-on-one -on -one duel. But there was no denying my urge to force her to escape right there, and then, after I had abandoned my first and only friend at the start of this game, and was nearly killed by a fellow beta tester. Just hours later, I had sworn to live as a solo player, relying on no one but myself. The week that we had just spent as a partnership of sorts was only a means to uncovering and stopping Neza's fraud. Nothing more, so why was I being ruled by this emotion, this sentimentality? Why was I so desperate to keep Asuna from dying? Asuna, you need to run, I wanted to say, but I saw the powerful light in her hazel eyes. They told me that she knew full well what I was thinking. Her eyes were full of an emotion that was neither anger nor sadness, but something even purer. Again, she said, let's go. There was enough strength in that voice that it bottled up the fear that had overtaken me. All right, I said, and looked back at Agile's party. The axe warrior nodded at me, not frightened in the least. We'll swing around the right flank and defeat Baron first. If the king attacks before then, we've got to pull him away. As best we can to help by them time. Got it, the others shouted. Bolstered by their courage, I leapt forward. By the time I reached full speed, my hesitation was gone. The monster's reaction zone, also called its aggro range, was invisible to the naked eye. But the more experience one built, the more it felt like a tangible thing. I followed. My instinct encircled around the right side of the plotting King Asterios toward the main party. Baron's HP bar was already down into the red zone. But as with Nato when he was nearly dead, Baron had gone into a berserk state and was using his numbing detonation at every possible chance, slowing the group's attack progress. We had 30 seconds until the king started to attack, I gauged. I darted right between the wide-eyed Lind and Kibu, directly in front General Baron, and leapt high into the air, aiming for his blazing orange horns. But the general was nearly twice the size of the colonel. Even my highest jump, combined with my longest reach, couldn't make it all the way. Rara. At the apex of my jump, I took pains to hold my stance, and just barely managed to throw off a sword skill. My anneal.
blade glowed green, and my body sped back into motion as. Though pushed by invisible hands, Sonic Leap, a one-handed sword charge skill. This desperate attack hit him right in the weak point, and. The general's body arched backward. This staggering was. Our final chance. Asuna and the other four didn't need my order to know. What to do. They raced into land blows, then pulled back. The rest of the raid followed their lead, and General Baron was enveloped in flashing effects of every color. But once again, it wasn't quite enough. There was still a pixel or two left on his HP bar. Not again. I cursed, clenching my left fist. Coming out of a major sword skill off balance, my only option was a simple attack. I roared and swung forward with a flash blow hitting him square in the chest. It was just enough damage to do the job, and that tiny little jab sent the massive body expanding and exploding. I landed hard, ignoring the LA bonus readout entirely, and took a deep breath to command everyone to retreat back against the wall. There was no time to worry about whether I was overstepping my bounds or not but my breath caught in my throat before I could speak. The onyx Taurus king, who should have still been ten seconds away, was leaning backward, his massive chest bulging like a barrel. That looked like a breath attack. Long range. And right in his path, back to him, her eyes fixed straight at me, was Asuna. If she didn't move now, there would be no escape. I couldn't waste time racing over to her. But that kind of logical reasoning went out the window. Asuna, jump to your right. I shouted as I dashed toward her. There were other players in the breath range, of course, but my tunnel vision was fixed on no one but the hooded fencer. She must have sensed the danger. Approaching from behind in my voice and expression. She Leapt as I commanded, not bothering to turn around. As soon as her boots left the black paving stone, I reached her and slipped my left arm around her slender body, leaping in the same direction, to add to our momentum. Even at full strength, the jump speed was unbearably slow. The arabesque pattern in the floor flowed past, glacial in pace. The right side of my vision went pure white. The dry shockwave that hit me was exactly a clap of Thunder. Asterios the Taurus King's breath attack was not poison or fire, but lightning. And by the time we realized it, the both of us, and over twenty other players in the raid, were enveloped in its white blaze. There was no such thing as attack, healing, or support. Magic and sword art online. But that didn't mean that all. Traces of magic were absent from the game world. There was an infinite variety of magical items to be found that raised stats or provided buff effects, and the blessing of an NPC priest at a church in one of the bigger towns granted a player's weapon a temporary holy effect. But those supernatural effects did not exist solely for our benefit. In fact, the majority were a detriment. For example, the many special attack skills employed by Monsters, poison, fire, ice, and lightning breath.
the most powerful breath attack in terms of damage was fire, but lightning was no joke. For one, it was instantaneous, it traveled the full length of its range in the instant it was unleashed. Worse, it had a very high chance of stunning its victims, with the worst-case scenario involving an even more dangerous debuff. Asuna and I took Asterios's lightning breath to our legs, and we both lost close to 20% of our health in one go. A green border began to blink around the gauge, and a debuff icon of the same color appeared as well. Instantly, I felt my physical senses growing distant, I couldn't move my legs to land upright, even if I tried. Asuna, and I slammed into the ground on our backs. This was no mere tumble effect, after all of my warnings, we were now paralyzed. ASU, nah, I rasped. She was laid across my chest like an immobile plank. Heal with, potion. I tried desperately to move my stiff hand. There were two red HP potions and one green paralysis antidote in the belt, patch on my right side. Somehow, I felt around and grabbed the green one, popped the cork and held it up to my lips, even as the rumbling footsteps grew closer. Once I finished the minty liquid, I hesitantly looked up to see that the massive Taurus King was barely ten yards away. His attack had hit several other players with paralysis, and over a dozen of them littered the ground between us and him. The other thirty players who escaped the lightning breath were making their way around the slowly moving boss, but they weren't sure how to react. The reason why was clear. The raid's leader and sub-leader, Lind and Kibu, were both paralyzed and the closest to the boss's position. They were desperately trying to give orders, but a whisper was the best anyone suffering from paralysis could produce. None of the players outside Asterios's attack range could hear them. But very close to my ears came the sound of a fragile, beautiful voice. Why, did you come? I looked back to see two very large hazel eyes right in front of my face. Asuna was collapsed directly on top of me empty potion bottle clutched in her hand. She repeated. Herself. Why? She was asking me why I'd run toward her when I realized. The Taurus's breath attack was coming, rather than darting. Directly out of harm's way. I wondered what the answer. Was myself, but it did not become apparent all I could say. Was I don't know. And for reasons that were once again a mystery to me, she smiled gently, closed her eyes, and set her hooded head against my shoulder, fight. Of course, we wouldn't know if that was the right choice or not until the end of the fight. But the tables had turned significantly since the moment just after the boss appeared. Neza had successfully pulled Asterios's aggro for over two minutes, giving the rest of the raid enough Time to recover from paralysis and refill their HP. On top of that, now we had the details on the boss's patterns. All right, let's begin the attack. Teams A and D, forward. Lind ordered. The heavily armored tanks rushed in at King. Asterios, their body blow charge hit him in the legs, finally. 
drawing his attention away from Neza. Instantly, he started to sway, as though all of the tension keeping him upright had snapped. Asuna and I raced over. Neza. The former blacksmith looked up, his expression as weak. As usual, but with a new core of strength behind his smile. He held up the throwing weapon in his right hand. It was the weapon I'd given him, a thick, bladed, circular throwing tool about eight inches across. The only way to get it at this point was as a rare drop from the Taurus, ring hurler enemies in this labyrinth. It fell under the chakram subcategory of throwing knives, but unlike the actual chakrams from ancient India, this one had a leather grip along part of the circle. The grip made it useful for both throwing like a disc or augmenting a punch like a set of brass knuckles. Because of that versatility, chakrams and SAO couldn't be used with the throwing knife skill alone. They also required the mastery of martial arts, the extra skill that could only be learned from the bearded master hidden deep in the mountains. As he said himself three days ago, he could hit monsters with a thrown weapon without having to worry too much about his perspective issues. But orthodox throwing knives were a quantifiable weapon that ran out over time and weren't suited for a main weapon. But the chakram was like a boomerang, it returned to the thrower's hand automatically. Thanks to that, he didn't need to worry about ammunition. Neza steadied his weary legs and held up his chakram. That was glowing yellow. Even though I was the one who'd given him the weapon, I didn't know the name of this sword. Skill. Yeah. With a powerful cry, his hand flashed, and the sparkling ring flew high in the air. It raced across the ceiling, a brilliant burst of light, and hit Asterios on the crown with perfect accuracy as he raised his giant hammer. There was another high-pitched clang, and the boss's muscle torso writhed. One of the attackers in Kibu's team shouted, Nice, from the Taurus King's feet. The chakram hurtled back with alarming speed and smacked right back into Neza's hand, thanks to the assistance of the game engine. He turned to me and Asuna and smiled again as though he were about to burst into tears. It's like a dream come true. Here I am, in the boss battle, playing a role. His voice quavered and died out there. Neza swallowed. And tried again. I'll be fine. Go ahead and join the battle. All right. Do your best to read his lightning breath ahead. Of time and stagger him before he uses it. You're the key to. Our victory. I turned around and not just Asuna, but Agile and his band of. Hardy toughs, ready for action. Wasn't Agile supposed to be the leader of this team? I'll have. To apologize to him later for taking over. I shouted an order. To the group. Let's go. They echoed my call, and we headed for the unceasing. Series of sword flashes centered around our foe. The true boss of the second floor of Aincrad, Asterios the Taurus King, was a third bigger than even Baron the General Taurus. His paralyzing lightning breath had 
terrified us momentarily, but with Argo's knowledge of his patterns, the group had devised a safe and steady strategy that was chipping away at his health. The greatest role in the battle was undoubtedly Neza and his throwing weapon, but it soon became clear that the single strongest group was Team Not Lind or Kibu's forces, but the legend Braves. Like General Baron, Asterios used the area effect skill. Numbing detonation, but Orlando and his team were able to take the numbing effects at very close range without ever being stunned. When the king lifted his mighty hammer, the other groups had to evacuate to safety, but Team G stayed right on him, continuing their assault without fear of his detrimental attacks. Even Lind had no idea when to give the order for them to retreat. All of the Braves had high debuff resistance, thanks to their heavily upgraded gear. The unfortunate truth was that they'd earned the money for that Herculean task through Neza's upgrading scam, but now that Neza was no longer a blacksmith, there was no longer any chance that they'd take the heat for it. It's a complicated feeling, isn't it? Asuna mumbled. When we retreated temporarily to drink healing potions. Yeah, but at least they shouldn't be able to do it anymore. I replied, referring to the weapon-switching fraud. If they're able to help us advance through the game like this, we'll just have to accept it. I still feel bad for those who lost. Their weapons, though. Yeah. She still looked conflicted, so I took her mind off things by leaning in close and sharing an idea. You know, I don't really feel like letting them win the battle. MVP, so how about we fight back a little bit? If the timing permits it, of course. Fight back. I lifted the edge of her hood and whispered into her ear. Asuna's eyes looked skeptical and exasperated, but she nodded in agreement. When she pulled the hood back up over her head, I thought I detected a hint of a smile on her lips, but I couldn't peer in close for a second look. Hey, Carido, Agile rumbled from behind, with an odd tone. In his voice, and an empty bottle in his hand, you said you weren't a pair, right? Asuna straightened up and pivoted on her heel. Her voice was frosty. We are not. Fortunately, I didn't need to weigh in on the topic, because a cheer broke out from the direction of the battle. Asterios's last HP bar had gone red. Our team's HP had just hit maximum again, which was perfect timing. Team E, pull back. Team H, up forward. Lind. Commanded. I held up my free hand and clenched my anneal blade, plus six. Even if it was our turn in the rotation, it spoke to Lind's. Fairness as a leader that he didn't try to hold me back. Okay, hang on, I said, waiting for the right timing. Go. We darted in to take the place of green team E along the boss's left flank. First, Asuna, and I traded off with single skills against those tree trunk legs. The monster roared in. Rage and swiped at us, which Agile and his friends blocked. As they switched in. Asterios's size was certainly frightening, but on the other hand, the larger a monster was, the more people could attack it at once. 
one full party was all that could fight. Colonel Nato at a time, while two could tackle General. Baron, and King Asterios was large enough for three at. Once. Team H took the left side, blue team B handled him front. And center, and Orlando's team G was still tearing away at. His right flank. The king's black skin was burning through. Like coal, a sign of his berserk state, but we were on pace. To finish him off with this set. Brewer Eric. With a terrible, primal roar, Asterios began to suck in air. Again. I didn't he need to see the sparks around his mouth to know. He was preparing his breath attack. But just as quickly as. He started, the chakram flew in and struck him on the. Crown. Lightning exploded harmlessly from the king's. Nostrils. If this was a normal MMO, that 100% guaranteed. Stagger from the chakram would get nerfed to oblivion, I thought to myself, referring to the practice of reducing its power to restore proper game balance. Floor bosses in SAO were a one-time affair, once defeated, they would never return. If Akihiko Kayaba was indeed watching over the battle from afar, would he be gnashing his teeth at the sight of his guardian, unable to stay poised long enough to unleash its best attack? Or would he be applauding the ingenuity and luck of the players who hit? Upon this unlikely strategy, we're going to beat your second floor in just ten days, Kayaba. I thought triumphantly. A glance at the king's HP bar showed just a tiny sliver of red about to disappear. He raged even harder, stomping three times in succession. Before raising his hammer, Team B pulled back, recognizing the numbing detonation motion, while Team G readied their best sword skills. If the legend brave seized the last attack bonus here, they'd go from the backup force during the bulbous bow. Fight to the best fighters in the game. But I wasn't charitable enough to sit back and let them reap those rewards. I had a beater reputation to uphold. Now, Asuna. I leapt as high as I could. The fencer kept right up with me. In fact, her jumping speed was faster than mine. The force. Ripped the hood off of her head, and long chestnut brown. Hair flowed through the air. Freya, fight. Of course, we wouldn't know if that was the right. Choice or not until the end of the fight. But the tables had. Turned significantly since the moment, just after the boss. Appeared. Neza had successfully pulled Asterios's aggro for over two minutes, giving the rest of the raid enough time to recover from paralysis and refill their HP. On top of that, now we had the details on the boss's patterns. All right, let's begin the attack. Teams A and D, forward. Lind ordered. The heavily armored tanks rushed in at King. Asterios. Their body blow charge hit him in the legs, finally. Drawing his attention away from Neza. Instantly, he started to sway, as though all of the tension. Keeping him upright, had snapped. Asuna, and I raced over. Neza. The former blacksmith looked up, his expression as weak. As usual, but with a new core of strength behind his smile. He held up the throwing weapon in his right hand. 
It was the weapon I'd given him, a thick, bladed, circular throwing tool about eight inches across. The only way to get it at this point was as a rare drop from the Taurus ring hurler enemies in this labyrinth. It fell under the chakram subcategory of throwing knives, but unlike the actual chakrams from ancient India, this one had a leather grip along part of the circle. The grip made it useful for both throwing like a disc or augmenting a punch like a set of brass knuckles. Because of that versatility, chakrams and SAO couldn't be used with the throwing knife skill alone. They also required the mastery of martial arts, the extra skill that could only be learned from the bearded master hidden deep in the mountains. As he said himself three days ago, he could hit monsters with a thrown weapon without having to worry too much about his perspective issues. But orthodox throwing knives were a quantifiable weapon that ran out over time and weren't suited for a main weapon. But the chakram was like a boomerang, it returned to the thrower's hand automatically. Thanks to that, he didn't need to worry about ammunition. Neza steadied his weary legs and held up his chakram. It was glowing yellow. Even though I was the one who'd given him the weapon, I didn't know the name of the sword. Skill. Yeah. With a powerful cry, his hand flashed, and the sparkling ring flew high in the air. It raced across the ceiling, a brilliant burst of light, and hit Asterios on the crown with perfect accuracy as he raised his giant hammer. There was another high-pitched clang, and the boss's muscle torso writhed. One of the attackers in Kibu's team shouted, Nice, from the Taurus King's feet. The chakram hurtled back with alarming speed and smacked right back into Neza's hand, thanks to the assistance of the game engine. He turned to me and Asuna and smiled again as though he were about to burst into tears. It's like a dream come true. Here I am, in the boss battle, playing a role. His voice quavered and died out there. Neza swallowed. And tried again. I'll be fine. Go ahead and join the battle. All right. Do your best to read his lightning breath ahead. Of time and stagger him before he uses it. You're the key to. Our victory. I turned around and not just Asuna, but Agile and his band of. Hardy toughs, ready for action. Wasn't Agile supposed to be the leader of this team? I'll have. To apologize to him later for taking over. I shouted an order. To the group. Let's go. They echoed my call, and we headed for the unceasing. Series of sword flashes centered around our foe. The true boss of the second floor of Aincrad, Asterios the. Taurus King, was a third bigger than even Baron the. General Taurus. His paralyzing lightning breath had. Terrified us momentarily, but with Argo's knowledge of his patterns, the group had devised a safe and steady strategy that was chipping away at his health. The greatest role in the battle was undoubtedly Neza, and his throwing weapon, but it soon became clear that the single strongest group was Team Not Lind or Kibu's forces, but the legend Braves. 
Like General Baron, Asterios used the area effect skill. Numbing detonation, but Orlando and his team were able to take the numbing effects at very close range without ever being stunned. When the king lifted his mighty hammer, the other groups had to evacuate to safety, but Team G stayed right on him, continuing their assault without fear of his detrimental attacks. Even Lind had no idea when to give the order for them to retreat. All of the Braves had high debuff resistance, thanks to their heavily upgraded gear. The unfortunate truth was that they'd earned the money for that Herculean task through Neza's upgrading scam, but now that Neza was no longer a blacksmith, there was no longer any chance that they'd take the heat for it. It's a complicated feeling, isn't it? Asuna mumbled. When we retreated temporarily to drink healing potions. Yeah, but at least they shouldn't be able to do it anymore. I replied, referring to the weapon-switching fraud. If they're able to help us advance through the game like this, we'll just have to accept it. I still feel bad for those who lost. Their weapons, though. Yeah. She still looked conflicted, so I took her mind off things by leaning in close and sharing an idea. You know, I don't really feel like letting them win the battle. MVP, so how about we fight back a little bit? If the timing permits it, of course. Fight back. I lifted the edge of her hood and whispered into her ear. Asuna's eyes looked skeptical and exasperated, but she nodded in agreement. When she pulled the hood back up over her head, I thought I detected a hint of a smile on her lips, but I couldn't peer in close for a second look. Hey, Carito, Agile rumbled from behind, with an odd tone. In his voice, and an empty bottle in his hand, you said you weren't a pair, right? Asuna straightened up and pivoted on her heel. Her voice was frosty. We are not. Fortunately, I didn't need to weigh in on the topic, because a cheer broke out from the direction of the battle. Asterios's last HP bar had gone red. Our team's HP had just hit maximum again, which was perfect timing. Team E, pull back. Team H, up forward. Lind. Commanded. I held up my free hand and clenched my anneal blade, plus six. Even if it was our turn in the rotation, it spoke to Lin's fairness as a leader that he didn't try to hold me back. Okay, hang on, I said, waiting for the right timing. Go. We darted in to take the place of green team E along the boss's left flank. First, Asuna, and I traded off with single skills against those tree trunk legs. The monster roared in. Rage and swiped at us, which Agile and his friends blocked. As they switched in. Asterios's size was certainly frightening, but on the other hand, the larger a monster was, the more people could attack it at once. One full party was all that could fight. Colonel Nato at a time, while two could tackle General Baron, and King Asterios was large enough for three at once. Team H took the left side, blue team B handled him front and center, and Orlando's team G was still tearing away at his right flank. The king's black skin was burning through 
like Cole, a sign of his berserk state, but we were on pace. To finish him off with this set. Brewer Erig. With a terrible, primal roar, Asterios began to suck in air. Again. I didn't he need to see the sparks around his mouth to know. He was preparing his breath attack. But just as quickly as. He started, the chakram flew in and struck him on the. Crown. Lightning exploded harmlessly from the king's. Nostrils. If this was a normal MMO, that 100% guaranteed. Stagger from the chakram would get nerfed to oblivion, I thought to myself, referring to the practice of reducing its power to restore proper game balance. Floor bosses in SAO were a one-time affair, once defeated, they would never return. If Akihiko Kayaba was indeed watching over the battle from afar, would he be gnashing his teeth at the sight of his guardian, unable to stay poised long enough to unleash its best attack? Or would he be applauding the ingenuity and luck of the players who hit? Upon this unlikely strategy, we're going to beat your second floor in just ten days, Kayaba. I thought triumphantly. A glance at the king's HP bar showed just a tiny sliver of red about to disappear. He raged even harder, stomping three times in succession. Before raising his hammer, Team B pulled back, recognizing the numbing detonation motion, while Team G readied their best sword skills. If the legend brave seized the last attack bonus here, they'd go from the backup force during the Bulbous Bow. Fight to the best fighters in the game. But I wasn't charitable enough to sit back and let them reap those rewards. I had a beater reputation to uphold. Now, Asuna. I leapt as high as I could. The fencer kept right up with me. In fact, her jumping speed was faster than mine. The force. Ripped the hood off of her head, and long chestnut brown. Hair flowed through the air. Freya, fight. Of course, we wouldn't know if that was the right. Choice or not until the end of the fight. But the tables had. Turned significantly since the moment, just after the boss. Appeared. Neza had successfully pulled Asterios' aggro. For over two minutes, giving the rest of the raid enough. Time to recover from paralysis and refill their HP. On top of. That, now we had the details on the boss's patterns. Alright, let's begin the attack. Teams A and D, forward. Lind ordered. The heavily armored tanks rushed in at King. Asterios. Their body blow charge hit him in the legs, finally. Drawing his attention away from Neza. Instantly, he started to sway, as though all of the tension. Keeping him upright, had snapped. Asuna, and I raced over. Neza. The former blacksmith looked up, his expression as weak. As usual, but with a new core of strength behind his smile. He held up the throwing weapon in his right hand. It was the weapon I'd given him, a thick, bladed, circular throwing tool about eight inches across. The only way to get it at this point was as a rare drop from the Taurus, ring hurler enemies in this labyrinth. It fell under the chakram subcategory of throwing knives, but unlike the actual chakrams from ancient India, this one had a leather grip along part of the circle. 
the grip made it useful for both throwing like a disc or augmenting a punch like a set of brass knuckles. Because of that versatility, chukrams and SAO couldn't be used with the throwing knife skill alone. They also required the mastery of martial arts, the extra skill that could only be learned from the bearded master hidden deep in the mountains. As he said himself three days ago, he could hit monsters with a thrown weapon without having to worry too much about his perspective issues. But orthodox throwing knives were a quantifiable weapon that ran out over time and weren't suited for a main weapon. But the chakram was like a boomerang, it returned to the thrower's hand automatically. Thanks to that, he didn't need to worry about ammunition. Neza steadied his weary legs and held up his chakram. That was glowing yellow. Even though I was the one who'd given him the weapon, I didn't know the name of the sword. Skill. Yeah. With a powerful cry, his hand flashed, and the sparkling ring flew high in the air. It raced across the ceiling, a brilliant burst of light, and hit Asterios on the crown with perfect accuracy as he raised his giant hammer. There was another high-pitched clang, and the boss's muscled torso writhed. One of the attackers in Kibu's team shouted, Nice, from the Taurus King's feet. The chakram hurtled back with alarming speed and smacked right back into Neza's hand, thanks to the assistance of the game engine. He turned to me and Asuna and smiled again as though he were about to burst into tears. It's like a dream come true. Here I am, in the boss battle, playing a role. His voice quavered and died out there. Neza swallowed. And tried again. I'll be fine. Go ahead and join the battle. All right. Do your best to read his lightning breath ahead. Of time and stagger him before he uses it. You're the key to. Our victory. I turned around and not just Asuna, but Agile and his band of. Hardy toughs, ready for action. Wasn't Agile supposed to be the leader of this team? I'll have. To apologize to him later for taking over. I shouted an order. To the group. Let's go. They echoed my call, and we headed for the unceasing. Series of sword flashes centered around our foe. The true boss of the second floor of Aincrad, Asterios the. Taurus King, was a third bigger than even Baron the. General Taurus. His paralyzing lightning breath had. Terrified us momentarily, but with Argo's knowledge of his patterns, the group had devised a safe and steady strategy that was chipping away at his health. The greatest role in the battle was undoubtedly Neza and his throwing weapon, but it soon became clear that the single strongest group was Team Not Lind or Kibu's forces, but the legend Braves. Like General Baron, Asterios used the area effect skill. Numbing detonation, but Orlando and his team were able to take the numbing effects at very close range without ever being stunned. When the king lifted his mighty hammer, the other groups had to evacuate to safety, but Team G stayed right on him, continuing their assault without fear of his detrimental attacks. Even Lind had no idea when to give the order for 
them to retreat. All of the Braves had high debuff resistance, thanks to their heavily upgraded gear. The unfortunate truth was that they'd earned the money for that Herculean task through Neza's upgrading scam, but now that Neza was no longer a blacksmith, there was no longer any chance that they'd take the heat for it. It's a complicated feeling, isn't it? Asuna mumbled. When we retreated temporarily to drink healing potions. Yeah, but at least they shouldn't be able to do it anymore. I replied, referring to the weapon-switching fraud. If they're able to help us advance through the game like this, we'll just have to accept it. I still feel bad for those who lost. Their weapons, though. Yeah. She still looked conflicted, so I took her mind off things by leaning in close and sharing an idea. You know, I don't really feel like letting them win the battle. MVP, so how about we fight back a little bit? If the timing permits it, of course. Fight back. I lifted the edge of her hood and whispered into her ear. Asuna's eyes looked skeptical and exasperated, but she nodded in agreement. When she pulled the hood back up over her head, I thought I detected a hint of a smile on her lips, but I couldn't peer in close for a second look. Hey, Carido, Agile rumbled from behind, with an odd tone. In his voice, and an empty bottle in his hand, you said you weren't a pair, right? Asuna straightened up and pivoted on her heel. Her voice was frosty. We are not. Fortunately, I didn't need to weigh in on the topic, because a cheer broke out from the direction of the battle. Asterios's last HP bar had gone red. Our team's HP had just hit maximum again, which was perfect timing. Team E, pull back. Team H, up forward. Lind. Commanded. I held up my free hand and clenched my anneal blade, plus six. Even if it was our turn in the rotation, it spoke to Lin's fairness as a leader that he didn't try to hold me back. Okay, hang on, I said, waiting for the right timing. Go. We darted in to take the place of green team E along the boss's left flank. First, Asuna, and I traded off with single skills against those tree trunk legs. The monster roared in. Rage and swiped at us, which Agile and his friends blocked. As they switched in. Asterios's size was certainly frightening, but on the other hand, the larger a monster was, the more people could attack it at once. One full party was all that could fight. Colonel Nato at a time, while two could tackle General Baron, and King Asterios was large enough for three at once. Team H took the left side, blue team B handled him front and center, and Orlando's team G was still tearing away at his right flank. The king's black skin was burning through. Like Cole, a sign of his berserk state, but we were on pace to finish him off with this set. Brewer Erig. With a terrible, primal roar, Asterios began to suck in air. Again. I didn't need to see the sparks around his mouth to know. He was preparing his breath attack. But just as quickly as he started, the chakram flew in and struck him on the crown. Lightning exploded harmlessly from the king's 
nostrils. If this was a normal MMO, that 100% guaranteed. Stagger from the chakram would get nerfed to oblivion, I thought to myself, referring to the practice of reducing its power to restore proper game balance. Floor bosses in SAO were a one-time affair, once defeated, they would never return. If Akihiko Kaiba was indeed watching over the battle from afar, would he be gnashing his teeth at the sight of his guardian, unable to stay poised long enough to unleash its best attack? Or would he be applauding the ingenuity and luck of the players who hit? Upon this unlikely strategy, we're going to beat your second floor in just 10 days, Kayaba. I thought triumphantly. A glance at the king's HP bar showed just a tiny sliver of red about to disappear. He raged even harder, stomping three times in succession. Before raising his hammer, Team B pulled back, recognizing the numbing detonation motion, while Team G readied their best sword skills. If the legend brave seized the last attack bonus here, they'd go from the backup force during the Bulbous Bow. Fight to the best fighters in the game. But I wasn't charitable enough to sit back and let them reap those rewards. I had a beater reputation to uphold. Now, Asuna. I leapt as high as I could. The fencer kept right up with me. In fact, her jumping speed was faster than mine. The force ripped the hood off of her head and long chestnut brown. Hair flowed through the air. Freya, several times during the beta, I'd been attacked by pikers, but not once since the full game launched. On the very first night, I was nearly killed by another former tester, who formed a party with me, via MPK, a monster player kill, using monsters to do his dirty work. But that was a passive means of killing and done in an attempt to win a quest item to further his own survival. Now that the chaos of that initial starting dash had died down, it was impossible to imagine someone committing a true PK for the purpose of sick pleasure, with the linking of our virtual and physical fates, PKING was out-and-out murder. In a normal MMO, engaging in such behavior was a form of roleplay, but that excuse didn't fly anymore. After all, killing players, in particular, players who showed enough willpower to venture into the wilderness and fight for themselves, only prolonged the possibility of our eventual freedom. The day I met Asuna again in Urbis, and we went Windwasp hunting together, I said that wearing a burlap sack for a mask would make me look like a piker. The only reason I made a joke like that was my belief that no one in Ankrad would actually stoop to such a thing. But here we were, and that ugly term was out in the open. The skinny dagger user from Kibu's team kept shrieking, his finger still pointed at Nez's head. A few bows and scrapes can't make up for a PK. No amount of apologizing or money is going to bring back the dead. What's your plan? How are you going to make this? Right? Well, there was a painful edge to his voice, a screech like the point of a knife scraping against metal. Within a cold, sobered corner of my mind, I wondered where I'd heard it. Before. The memory came within an instant. This dagger-wielding man had leveled a similar charge.
against me, right after we beat the first floor boss. I know. The truth. He's a beta tester, rang the voice in my ears. I'd. Shut him up haughtily, demanding that he not lump me in. With the other testers, but that trick wouldn't work here. Neza's tiny back absorbed all of the accusations hurled at. It. He clenched his fists atop the stones and spoke, his voice. Trembling, I will accept, whatever judgment you decide upon. Another silence. I felt like every person present understood the meaning. Behind the word judgment. The air in the Colosseum grew. Even colder and pricklier than before. That invisible energy. Reached a critical point, everyone waiting for the one. Person who would break the tension. Eventually, I succumbed, ready to tell everyone to just wait. A moment, even though I didn't have any ideas of how to. Follow it up. But I was half a second too late. One of the dozens of raid, members who'd been inching up on Neza finally uttered a, short burst. Then pay the price. It was just four words, a statement that didn't hold any. Specific meaning of its own. But it was like a pin that burst. An overinflated balloon. Suddenly the chamber was full with a roar of noise. Dozens. Of players were shouting all at once, yeah, pay the price. Go apologize, to the ones who died. Lie by the PK, die by the PK. Their cries grew more, and more overt until spilling into direct threats. Pay with your life, fraudster. Settle your account by dying, you PKING bastard. Kill him. Kill the filthy scheming scum. I couldn't help but feel like the rage on their faces wasn't entirely anger at his crime. There was fury and hatred for the game of sword art online that had trapped them here as well. It was the 38th day since we'd been locked in this flying fortress. 98 floors remained to conquer the overwhelming, desperate pressure of those Astronomical odds had finally found an outlet, a target ripe. For punishment, a swindler and murderer among our ranks, neither Lind nor Kibu had the means to resolve this. Situation now. Even I'd just been sitting on my heels the entire time, watching the scene unfold, since Neza had admitted to his crimes. My eyes wandered until they happened across the five legend braves standing at the Sight of the raid. They weren't shouting like the others, but staring down at the ground, avoiding looking at Neza. You should have known this could happen someday, Orlando. Didn't you ever see it coming? I asked silently, but there was no answer. In fact, if I was making accusations, the same went for the man in the black poncho. Who'd taught them the trick? If he was generous enough to Show them a fancy trick for free, why didn't he explain the potential dangers to them? Unless. What if this situation, the group turning on Neza, demanding his execution, was exactly what the black Poncho was hoping for in return? In that case, what he wanted was not the help of the braves, but the opposite. He wanted Neza to be killed at the express desire of all the top players in the game for his Direct role in the scam, that would create a precedent for 
direct player-on-player -player killing and lower the mental hurdle to reaching the act of murder across Aincrad. If my fears were correct, that man in the black poncho was the real piker here. But rather than soil his own hands with the act, he set up other players to do the dirty work for him, dragging them down to his level. This was bad. We couldn't allow his devious plan to work. We couldn't have Neza publicly executed. After all, I was the one who recommended that Neza switch to a combat role and make up for his crimes by helping advance the game. In effect, I brought him here to this situation. I had a responsibility to prevent his death. Amidst the hail of jeers, someone finally moved into action. Not Lind, not Kibu, not even Neza, but the legend. Braves. They slowly crossed the vast room, metal armor. Clanking, toward the prostrate Neza. Orlando's bassinet. Visor was half down, so I couldn't see his face. The other. For marched in step with him, their faces downcast. The semicircle of Lind, the dagger user, and Shivata sensed that something was happening, and they stepped back to make room for the newcomers. The group came to a halt with heavy footsteps. Neza must have sensed the approach of his former comrades, but he did not look up. His fists were still balled on the floor, his forehead pressed to the tile. Orlando stopped directly. Across from Neza, the chakram placed on the floor in between. His right hand moved to his left side. Asuna gasped. His gauntlet hand gripped the hilt of his sword and pulled. Orlando's weapon was, like mine, an anneal blade. It appeared to be powered up to a similar level. If he was going to strike Neza's unprotected back, it would only take three or four hits to finish the job. Orlando. I called out the name of the paladin who had just helped defeat the boss, monster minutes ago. You spent far more time with Neza than I ever did. But I can't stand here and watch you kill him, no matter what. That does to my reputation. I put all of my weight into my right foot, preparing to dart. Forward the instant he raised his blade. At the same time, I sensed Asuna's shifting position as well. Don't do anything, Asuna. No, she said, flatly. Don't you get it? If you interfere with this, you won't be allowed among this group anymore. You might even be labeled a criminal. I still won't stop. Don't you remember what I said the first time we met? I left the town of beginning so that I could be myself. I didn't have any time or arguments with which to convince her. Instead, I merely signed in resignation and nodded. Somehow, the angry shouting that filled the Colosseum had turned to silence again, everyone watched wide-eyed, waiting with bated breath for the fateful moment. And perhaps because I was concentrating so hard, I picked out the quiet voice from Orlando's helmet, even though I was nowhere near close enough to hear it. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, Nezuo. The paladin laid down his sword next to the chakram on the ground. He took a few steps and got down on his knees. Next to Neza, facing the same direction, removed his 
helmet, and put his hands flat on the tile. Beowulf, Cuchulain, Gilgamesh, and Enkidu followed his lead, setting down their weapons and helmets and getting into a line with Neza at the center. Amid dead silence, the five, no, six legend braves bowed in. Apology to the rest of the raid. Eventually, Orlando spoke up, his trembling voice, the only sound in the Colosseum, Nezuo, Neza is our partner. We're the ones who forced him to commit that fraud. 14, so why do we have to be the errand runners here? Asuna grumbled as she trudged along. I shrugged and answered, what can you do? It's just the way it is. No, not that. We were a party of two during the first boss fight, but this time we had a full six. Only because Agile was considerate enough to let us join him. We'll need to thank him when this all blows over. Asuna raised an eyebrow at me. W what? Nothing. I'm just wondering if your skill at getting along is earning a few proficiency points. That's my line, I wanted to say, but I held it in. That should be clear, since I have a gift for him, too. Oh? What's that, the mighty straps you found in the labyrinth? Ooh, good idea. I'll have to give those to him, too. I patted my fist into my palm. Asuna looked at me doubtfully, then her eyes went wide. With understanding. Oh, I know. You're going to foist that thing you've been. Keeping in the end chest off on Agile. Indeed. She was referring to the large vendor's carpet that Neza. Left with me when he abandoned his blacksmithing and went off to learn the martial arts skill. It was an expensive and useful item, but offered little benefit to a combat dash. Focused character. Plus, it couldn't be placed in one's inventory, so it had to be rolled up and hoisted around by hand. Agile might be a warrior, but he seems likely to know some. Promising future blacksmiths, wouldn't you suspect? I'm sure Neza would be happy knowing that it went to good. Use. But what if Agile himself wakes up to the lures of running? His own business? Then I'll be his first customer, I answered glibly, Asuna sighed and glanced ahead. We were walking up the spiral staircase between the second and third floors. But for some unknown design purpose, the stairs spiraled around the entire 800-foot-wide tower, meaning that we actually had to walk a distance of over 2,500 feet plus height. But because there were no monsters on the staircase, it was still a much easier exit from the tower than going from the boss chamber all the way down to the front entrance. As the roving strikers, or, if you prefer, leftovers, of the raid, Asuna and I had been given our orders by Lind, to leave the labyrinth, which was shut off from all instant messages, and deliver the news of our victory to all the players who were eagerly awaiting an update. Normally this would be the job, no, privilege, of Lind or Kibu. But the main raid force could not leave the boss chamber for another hour or so. Not because they were locked inside but because they were too busy talking. The 
Debate raged on about how to deal with Neza and the legend Braves. But I no longer had any concerns about the outcome of that discussion. The instant that Orlando and his partners had laid down their weapons and admitted their sins, the conclusion was foretold. No matter how heated up the group was, they weren't so bloodthirsty that they would execute a group of six players, and the addition of the brace to the guilty side changed the equation, now. Shivada and the others could realistically be repaid for their lost weapons. Orlando explained every last detail of the deception and removed all of his equipment, not just the sword and helm. The other four followed his lead and produced a small mountain of high-level gear that would fetch a price beyond my estimation. He told the group that if they turned all of these items into cash, it would surpass the value of the lost weapons, they'd sunk their own honestly earned money into the armor as well, and serve as a repayment for all the victims of their scheme. If there was COR left over, it could be used as a potion fund for the next boss battle. Now that the damages were able to be repaid, the remaining problem was the player who died because his weapon was stolen. Under the current configuration of SAO, no amount of money could make up for a lost life. The legend Braves offered to go find the fellow's companions and apologize in person if that would help in any way. When they asked the dagger user who'd brought the story up, he backed down on his assertion, saying that it was just a rumor and he didn't know the name. In the end, the group decided to ask the information agent to discover the truth of the matter. The first controversy over player swindling in Aincrad was about to reach a close without bloodshed, but there was one problem remaining. How to convert the dozens of pieces of high-powered equipment into cash. There was always the option of selling them to NPC merchants in town. But the NPC's prices were always kept below the market rate by the invisible hand of the system. In order to combat inflation, if we were going to get the maximum value, the transitions had to be with other players. The people with the most COR and the largest need for good equipment were the frontline players. So Lind and Kibu considered the possibility of selling that equipment to the few dozen players present in the boss chamber and donating the money to Shibata's group of three. Of course, there were more victims of the scheme than just the people present here, so proper payment would need to be made once everyone went back to town. So the delay in leaving the boss chamber was due to a spontaneous auction. Sadly, none of the items was suitable for agile leather wearers like me and Asuna, and even if there were some, I wouldn't have been in the mood to buy and equip them. As we stood around feeling relieved that a peaceful solution was found, Lind came over and said, If you don't have anything better to do, could you leave the dungeon and tell the newspapers that our conquest was successful? I couldn't find a good reason to decline his request, so I prodded the reluctant Asuna, and we went out the door in the back of the chamber to the next floor. Agile and his friends waved goodbye, but we didn't have an opportunity 
to say anything to Neza, the former blacksmith. As soon as Orlando and his friends lined up around him, his little back trembled and shook with constant sobs. Well, it seems like the case of fraud is going to wrap up. Safely, what do you suppose Neza and the Braves are going to do next? Asuna wondered as she climbed the gently sloping staircase. I mulled it over. Depends on them. They can't prevent the tale of the Braves' shady behavior from spreading around the front line. Either they'll have to avoid everyone here and go back down to the town of beginnings or start over from scratch and try to reach our level again. Before we left, Lynn told me that if they wanted to, he'd allow them to keep a minimum of COR necessary for the equipment they'll need to hang around. But no matter what they choose, they won't treat Neza like a third wheel. Hmm. To be honest, I'm still not sure how I feel about Orlando, but if they do make it back to the front line, I'll do my best to work with them. I mean, even you did all. Right with Lind and Kibu, didn't you? I nearly missed a step. I, I haven't changed my attitude a bit. If anything, they're the ones who are acting weird. Kibu's totally anti-tester, and Lin's trying to raise an elite fighting force, so solos like me are only an obstacle to his goals. And yet, both of them were being oddly normal. Asuna momentarily looked frosty when I uttered the word. Solo. She sighed and said, as usual, you're completely clueless. Huh? How so? If all of the Frontier players were under the lead of either Lind or Kibu alone, they would have been much more open about excluding you. But the Blue Dragon Knights and the Green Aincrad Liberation Squad are jockeying for power even as they work together, right? Um, yeah. In the current situation, they're both on edge. They think that if they antagonize you too much, you'll end up aligning with the other team. Me? With either blue or green? I came to a standstill and chuckled. Haha, no way. They'd shut the door in my face, even if I actually wanted to join. I'm the evil beater, right? I mean, even today. I shut my mouth and started hopping up the steps. Asuna hurried to catch up, looking skeptical, then raised a finger. In sudden understanding. Hey, by the way, what happened to the boss's last attack? Bonus? On Asterios the Taurus Shing, I mean. I didn't get. The prompt. Ah, uh, ah, uh, um. And now that I think about it, didn't you win the LA on? Colonel Nato and General Baron? You didn't get the king. Two, did you? Um, well, that's, uh, hey, is that the exit? Oh, no, you don't. You did win it, didn't you? What did he? Drop? Tell me. Suddenly, we were both jogging up the stairs. At the end of the gently curving staircase was a thick door decorated. With a relief, the scene was of two swordsmen facing off. Among gnarled old trees. The left was dark-skinned, and the right was pale, but both were slender and fragile, with pointed ears. 
The picture was meant to represent the theme of the floor. Ahead, I thought to myself. Neza, no, Nataku. You were the real MVP of the second. Floor. Come on back to us. The front line's a scary, dangerous place, but it's where you'll find what you really wanted. And the front line needs you, too. After all. In a way, the third floor is where SAO really starts, I said. Aloud. Asuna caught up to me, looking puzzled rather than harassing me more about the LA it is? Why is that? I started off with my now familiar, unhelpful refrain, um, well, and savoring each and every step, I crossed the final thirty feet of the second floor of Aincrad. Afterward. Hello, this is Reki Kawahara, author of Sword Art Online. Progressive one. The word progressive might make you think of video formats, but in this case it is meant in the incremental increase sense. I chose this title to represent the task of conquering Aincrad bit by bit from the very first floor. From this point on, I'll be using the abbreviation SAOP. So first of all, I should explain why I decided to start writing this series, if you'll permit me to repeat what I said in the afterword of the first volume of SAO, I wrote the story as a submission for the Denjiki Novel Award, so I had to finish the story. With the game being beaten right in the very first installment. Later on, I wrote a number of shorter prequel stories that filled in gaps, see volumes 2 and 8, but they're more like little episodes and don't focus on the meat and potatoes of the players advancing through game so I've always harbored a secret desire to write about how Carido and the others cleared each floor and defeated each boss in the game, it just didn't really happen until now. Because I'm now trying to write it all over again from the first floor, it creates a number of issues. Biggest of all is how to deal with Asuna, the heroine. In the previously published series, Carido doesn't get to know Asuna until much, much later. If I depicted Carido as working with Asuna on the first and second floor of Aincrad, it would contradict what I've already published. For a long time, I wavered between two options, avoiding that contradiction by starting off progressive with a different heroine, or embracing the contradiction and going with Asuna right from the start. Ultimately, I admitted to myself that it didn't feel right. Having anyone but Asuna at Carido's side, and I suspect that most of my readers feel the same way. So I decided to have Carido meet Asuna right away. Of course, I'm certain that some readers will not be able to accept the contradictions with what I've written before, and that's okay. But I will do my utmost to make sure that the choices I make line up with the established events as best I can. My hope is that you'll be able to overcome my inconsistency and enjoy this new series for what it is. Now that I've gotten my customary apologies out of the way, let's go over each of these stories. Aria of a Starless Night, the story of the first floor of Ancrad, picks up right after the story of the first day, which is found in volume 8 of the main series. We see Characters that had only appeared in name before, such as 
Kibu, future leader of the army, and the information. Dealer, Argo the Rat. Then, of course, there are old. Favorites like Agile before he became a businessman, and Asuna when she was just a beginner to MMORPGs. It was a very strange mix of the new and familiar as I was writing. Of course, Carido is still Carido. Part of the point of progressive is to explain the systems of in greater detail, so Arya spends a lot of time covering the concept of a boss raid. I hope you really got the feel for a great big group of eight parties of six members each. If it didn't make sense to you, watch the second episode of the SAO anime series, please. Haha. <laughs> the story of the second floor, Rondo of a Fragile Blade, features a whole host of new faces. It took me quite a while to decide if the character of Neza should be a man or a woman. Eventually, I got the feeling that having him be a girl would pose a whole new set of problems, so I took the easy route in making him a man. I meant to have this tale feature the weapon upgrading system, but I let it slip away from me a bit, and the result was more of a mystery story surrounding the concept of upgrade fraud, since there wasn't much fighting in the early part of the Story, I wanted to feature a nice, meaty boss battle, and ended up bringing out quite a nasty boss for just the second floor of the game. If that happened in a real MMO, I would totally throw in the towel. Those two stories made up the first volume of SAOP. I've already got the title of the third floor story picked out. Concerto of Black and White. In game system terms, I'm going to focus on the theme of campaign quests. Well, now that I've gone and done a sneak peek for the next volume, I should probably come clean and admit that I don't think I can write more than one volume of progressive a year. So if I cover two floors a year, when will I actually get to the 75th floor? I'm too scared to consider the possibilities. Hope to see you in volume two. And of course, I'll be continuing with the main SAO series. Part 3 of the Alicization Arc, Volume 11, should be coming out in December. Carido and Yujio will be tackling the mysteries of the underworld. Please check it out. Also, the continuation of SAO means that I'll need to skip Excel World this time around. Deep apologies. But since... Volume 9 and 10 of that came, put in quick succession, it should be back to its normal schedule now. I'm not sure how long I will be able to keep up writing a book every other month, in fact, it's already looking hairy, but I'll do my best. Thanks once again to my illustrator Abexan for eagerly tackling two series at once, to my editor Mickey Sand for eagerly, I think tackling this 500-page monster of a book, and to my vice-editor Tsuchiya-san for dealing with the ulcers, I assume, of waiting for my very late replies to every message. And to those of you who read to the end of this very thick book, the greatest LA bonus of my gratitude. Reki Kawahara, August 2012